Greetings, this is Pastor Thomas A. Deloach, and this episode is brought to you by To Empower You, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young couples achieve their goals and dreams from a biblical context. From a biblical context. Pastor Thomas A. Deloach. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to To Empower You. I am your host, Thomas A. Deloach, and I'm so glad that you've decided to connect with me for these few moments in time. And on today's show, I want to talk about Bloom Where You Are Planted. This is a teaching podcast, so go and grab your Bibles and something to write with, as I believe you may want to take some notes today. I pray that you are doing well, praying for you, believing God's best for you. And before we start today, I want you, after you listen to this episode, to email this particular one to as many people as you can. I want to continue to get the word out about this podcast. I have some personal individual goals that I want to reach in terms of subscribers, and you can help me do that by sending out this episode to as many people as possible. If you are being blessed, I don't want you to keep it to yourself, but I want you to send it out to those that you are led to send it out to because you just may never know this may be the show that can help someone get their spiritual journey back on track. All right, so I want to talk here again about Bloom Where You're Planted, and we want to look at Psalms 92, a familiar passage to me at least, and probably to you if you are a Bible reader. Psalms 92, and we're going to start here at verse number 13, and we'll conclude at verse number 15. And the word of the Lord reads like this, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Verse 15 says, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I really love this verse of scripture and this is where I came up with this particular title, not necessarily something that has not been said before in terms of bloom where you're planted, but this is where you get this whole connection especially verse 13, that those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Many of us want to be successful. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be successful. We were made in the image and in the likeness of God. And so we have this insatiable desire to want to be something because our God is something. Our God is great. And because again, we have the same DNA of our father, we want to do some exceptional, extraordinary things. The problem is, is that there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. And so if we don't learn how to define success the right way, our ambition can take over and lead us down a wrong path. And so I want to just try to clear up a few things and just give you some keys to being a kind of person who's intentional about blooming where you're planted. Because we have to remember God knows where he wants us to be. He knows the city, the state, the family, 
the church ministry, the pastor that he has selected to help us to be all that God desires us to be. But we've got to dial back our ambition and learn how to be led of the spirit so we can get planted in the right soil. Oranges don't grow everywhere. Watermelons don't grow everywhere. Certain trees and bushes and plants don't grow everywhere. That kind of seed has to be planted in a certain region, a certain environment, a certain city, state, a certain part of the world, country, for it to become all that it's supposed to be. All of us have potential, but not all of us have moved into the reality of what we're supposed to be. And so I want us to move today from potential to reality. The frustration, and I go through this too, is when we're expecting a different result, but we're not planted like we should be. And so if we're not planted like we should be, we could be expecting a crop that may never happen. And as I talk to a lot of people and really listen to a lot of things that they say, I always come back to, are you where God wants you to be or even has instructed you to be, or are you where you want to be? That's a question you got to answer. And this is why I said we got to dial back our ambition because sometimes this we're doing things because this is what we want to do. It's not necessarily where the Holy Spirit has led us to be. And so when the Holy Spirit leads you down a path and leads you to the right people, there's some signs of confirmation that you are where you're supposed to be. And if you stay planted there, you have no other choice but to be successful. Success, in my estimation, cannot be quantified by things. Things are a manifestation of God's goodness to us and how he wants to provide for us. But I want you to know that success is all about you knowing God. And so I want to give you about 15 of these, and I'm not going to take very long to do it in terms of giving you some successful keys to bloom where you are planted. Here's number one. You might want to write this down. First of all, make sure you have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is number one. This is numero uno, because if you don't know the Lord, you can't be successful. It's impossible to attain anything in Christ if you don't know who Jesus is. I'm not talking about knowing about him, reading Bible stories about him, but I'm talking about you intentionally have developed a personal relationship with Christ. I want you to know out of all the people you'll ever meet and spend time with, there's no greater person than the Lord Jesus Christ, because he wants to be a part of your life. Do you want to be a part of his life, his world? The two of you have got to come together and develop that walk with the Lord. He's not going to force himself on you. You have to come to him. But if you do, he will never push you away. He'll never turn you away. And having Jesus in your life and a part of your life. I know just from personal experience, there's no way I would have ever made it through the rough parts of my life, the 
times and the season, I just didn't think I was going to come back from certain things. But it was because of my personal relationship with God. It allowed me to bloom. It allowed me to grow. It allowed me to be who I am today. And even as I'm still striving to be all that God wants me to be, it's because of my personal relationship with the Lord, because he's able to speak to the seed of greatness in me. He's able to speak to my potential the way no one else can. And he can cause those seeds that have been planted through my time of prayer, through my time of study of the word, through my time of devotion with him. He knows how to cause what's inside of me to come together. And he, and he does it like no one else can. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Number two, ask God to give you his vision or goal for your life. Now, we all need a vision because without a vision, we perish. And so many of us are perishing because we don't have the right vision. But I want you to know and be encouraged today that God has the vision you need for your life. He's got it. And his vision for your life is greater than anything that you can come up with. When you have God's vision, you have his heart. When you have God's vision, you have his help. Many times when God is asking me to do something, this was the part in my earlier walk with the Lord that I would always get challenged by. I thought he wanted me to come up with the ways and means to do it. But God doesn't want you to come up with the ways and means to do it. He already has that under his care. He already knows who he wants you to connect with. In other words, when we say, ask God for a vision, ask him for his eyesight so you can see what he see, so you can know what he knows. You know, scripture says that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we read that and we say, well, I can never have his thoughts. I can never have his ways. But that's not true. We just have to ask him for his ways. We have to ask him for his vision for our life. Certain goals and certain things come from God. He will plant that in your heart. He will plant that in your mind so that you want to do it, so that you want to obey, so that you want to be all. And that's, he gives you the will and the do of his good pleasure. So I want you to ask God to give you his vision and goals for your life. Number three, Always obey God's specific instructions. When I think about this, I think about the prophet Elijah when he was in a situation where he had to be fed. He had to be at the right place at the right time. And the Bible talks about how he commanded a raven to feed him there. But if the prophet was not where God had told him to be, those specific instructions, he would not have gotten fed. And many times we're not getting certain things because we have not obeyed God's specific instructions. God is not going to pick you up and take you where you're supposed to go. You have to get where he tells you to be. So your blessing is not here. Many times it's there. So you got to get where he told you to be. Those specific instructions that the Holy Spirit tells you to do, you got to do it because everything is waiting for you to get there. 
everything is waiting for you to obey God. Right now, even as you listen to me, there's some things that you're trying to get done today. Before you just start out on your way and start out doing your thing, I want you to pause and ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Maybe you've never even asked that question. Lord, what do you want me to do today? And wait, and you'll be surprised what the Holy Spirit will tell you to do. Sometimes he may not say anything. Don't do in terms of specific instructions now. Maybe he won't tell you to do something specific, but maybe he will. But you won't know unless you ask. So I want you to just understand, always obey God's specific instructions. Number four, always remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Know that the Holy Spirit, he's gentle, he's sweet, he's loving, he's kind. Uh, But don't take his kindness for weakness because we have to be sensitive to the moving of the Spirit. So we've got to, again, spend some time with the Holy Ghost. If we're going to bloom where we're planted, sometimes that plant don't come up, that potential don't come up. Are we being sensitive to hear what God is saying? Are we being sensitive to do what he's telling us to do? Many times we become insensitive, and I want you to guard yourself from becoming insensitive. And it's so easy where that veil is over our heart, where we become hardened by life and we become cynical by life. I've been there where I've become cynical and just, you know, this is just not going to happen. This is just not going to be. And I have to rebuke my own self and say, get out of this hardness of heart, get back into faith and remember that God is always for you. The Holy Spirit is always for you. So you got to constantly fight from not becoming hard-hearted because the world is hard-hearted. The world is cold-blooded. And so we don't want to take our cues from the world or from people who are disenchanted about life. All it takes is one disenchanted person to start talking to you and you'll become like them. So we always want to remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit so we can bloom where we're planted. Number five, have a loyalty and faithfulness that goes beyond personal feelings. I like that because many times we're only loyal and faithful as long as we feel good. As a pastor, I've seen it. People come into the church. They're happy. It's the church, the best place in the world. It's the best place since apple pie. Those days become weeks. Those weeks become months. Months become years. And their loyalty and their faithfulness to the thing they said that was great wanes because of personal feelings. Remember, no feeling can stay at its highest point of intensity always. Is why you can't trust your feelings. Your feelings will lead you away from God. I'm going to say that to you again. Your personal feelings will lead you away from God. See, you got to trust what the Holy Spirit is saying, not your personal feelings. And so when we start to feel some kind of way, we got to check it against God's word. We have to check it against the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people don't do that because they're immature. They just feel like whatever I feel is God. Whatever I feel is just right. But your feelings are not always right because some seeds that are inside of you are coming from negative outlets. They're coming from negative sources. So this is why you have to really say to yourself, I'm not going to let my personal feelings stop me from being loyal and faithful. When people mistreat you, 
I know it's easy to start feeling some kind of way, but you got to ask the Holy Spirit about them. What's going on with my spouse? What's going on with my kids? What's going on with my best friend? What's going on with me? And when you allow the Holy Spirit to tell you what's going on, it helps you to get out of your feelings and into your faith. And God is faithful. He's loyal. Think about that. The times you said you was going to do this, you didn't do it. God didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. The times you said you was going to get up and pray, you still have yet to get up to pray. But God was still loyal. He was still faithful. Why can't we be what he is to us? And we just can't keep saying I'm only human. When we got the Holy Spirit inside of us, one third of us is wall-to-wall God, wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. So we got to learn how to allow the Spirit of God to help us to be like our Father. Number six. Don't ever be too big to do the small things or too small to do the big things. See, we got to remember that everything God is asking you to do is important. There is no small jobs in the kingdom. Everything God is asking you to do in your local church as you are support to your leadership and a support to someone else. Know that somebody is praying and crying out for you to step up to the plate. So don't look at it as just a small thing. You know, your pastor, they, they say, you know, I need somebody to get down here to set up the chairs. And you just blow it off and say, oh, those are just chairs. Well, people need a place to sit. Or, you know, somebody get down here and help me clean the bathrooms. And, you you know, you may think you're too big to clean bathrooms. Well, I would ask you, do you clean your own bathrooms? Do you clean your own house? This is God's house. We want to have a reflection of who he is. And just think about this. Out of all the people in the world, you get an opportunity to serve. That should mean something to you. So never think you are greater than what you are. Don't believe your own hype. That's what happened to Lucifer. And that's how why he got kicked out of heaven. He thought he was bigger than God, trying to be God. When all he needed to do was just be what God created him to be. It's so important that we remember these things because we will be tempted and drawn away by our own lust. Point number seven, commit to the ministry the way you ought to be committed to your marriage. This is if you're going to bloom where you are planted. People have this notion that they can't be committed to more than two or three things, but you can. You can be committed to your marriage. You can be committed to your church. See, we doing things together and not doing it apart because I often hear people say, Pastor, I just can't be committed to get to prayer, can't be committed to get to church. So I'm asking, are you committed to your kids? Are you committed to your spouse? Are you committed to other things? And they may say, yeah, but I just don't have the time. But we got to remember, God is a huge part of our life. He's our everything. So we have to stop segmenting our life and allow God to become our life, become what we're doing. So if you're married, then we do things together in ministry. It's just like going on vacation. You take your family with you. We're doing this together. We're making memories together. When we're serving God, we're serving him together. When we're praying at home, bring your family together and you pray. When you eat dinner, it's no different. We're eating dinner together. What are we doing? Together. And when we do it together, we can be committed to ministry the way we should be committed to our marriages. It shouldn't be a separate thing because marriage is ministry. It's a part of what God ordained. So if God ordained it, he knows what's important. He knows what we should do. 
He know what we can do. He know what we trying to do that we keep failing in. We just have to stop making excuses and do the right thing. And you'll start to see you blooming. You're sprouting forth. You're bearing fruit. Your fruit remains. People can see fruit. They can see the change in your life. And what a witnessing tool for people. See, if we learn how to just be, we don't have to talk much. And the conversations will come to us. I see something different about you. I see something different about your family. I see something different about how y'all go about your business. And then you can start sharing your faith based on the fact that you got some visible, tangible fruit that people can see. And if we can just be the message, we won't have to preach it so much. Point number eight, be dependable. That's all I'm going to say about that. Be dependable. Point number nine, be willing to do whatever is asked. Can your pastor ask you to do anything in the word of God? Or is it just some things? Can God ask you to do everything in the word of God? or just some things. Now, I realize that we're not all at the same level of maturity, but when we realize the sacrifice that God sent his son for us, know that whatever is asked of us to do in the word of God, I'm not talking about your leadership asking you to do something off and crazy, because you know they shouldn't ask you to do that. But if they ask you to do something that they know that you can do, or even stuff that they're trying to stretch you, will your answer be yes? Or will you do like others and say, I'm praying about it? I've had so many people over the years use prayer as an excuse because the reality is they were not willing to do it. But I'm asking you, are you willing? I believe the scripture says if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. We just got to be willing. See, our unwillingness is hindering us from blooming where we're planted. And then we can look at other people and we can see them grow and we get mad and jealous. But you need to sit down and have a conversation with them and ask them, why are you blessed? And they may tell you, they probably will tell you, I'm willing. There was a point in my life I was unwilling, but I had to become willing if I was going to see everything God had promised me. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you to become willing. Point number 10, develop a servant's heart. Your heart for God and servanthood, servitude, has to be developed. And this is why God places you in a ministry. This is why he places you in a family. This is why he places you with kids. It's why he placed you in a certain job. Because these principles can help you in every area of your life. Because God wants you to be a servant. Jesus was a servant. He didn't think he was too good to serve the people. He came to serve the people. But you cannot serve people if you refuse to be developed. Some of us, we got so many gifts and talents, but they're underdeveloped. The greatest, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom, is that one that will serve. I want you to begin to develop a servant's heart. So no matter where you are, you just want to serve. You just want to help somebody, which leads me to point number 11. Serve as if you were serving Jesus himself and do not get your eyes on man under whom you work. On the other hand, be careful to respect the call that is on their life. So one of the things that we forget when man is asking us to do something or our pastor is asking us to do something or our boss is asking us to do something, we we got our eyes on man. And so we don't want to do it. 
but you need to see that God is using them to ask you to do it. See, it changes everything. See, we lack perspective. So we don't like them. We don't care about them. And I've heard people say, well, I'm a man just like you. I'm a woman just like you. But what you fail to realize is God has placed an anointing on that man or that woman. He's placed a call on their life to help you. So when they're asking you to do it, serve like you serve in Jesus. See the Lord using your pastor. See the Lord using your husband and wife. See the Lord using your boss. Now, if they're being wicked and cruel, no, you have to have an allegiance to God. But I'm talking about just stuff that you know is right. You should not be kicking and pulling and screaming and I don't have time to do that. Why don't you ask somebody else? No, 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 no. Again, You've got to get your heart right so God can use you so you can bloom where you are planted. Point number 12, be big enough to be rebuked and corrected. I would just stop right there because some people just they don't understand the purpose for being rebuked or corrected. And there's no, in my opinion, no such thing as constructive criticism because people don't take it that way. But when you grow up in God, you got to learn how to be rebuked and corrected. It's okay. God chastens whom he loves. That's what the scripture says. So if you're being rebuked and corrected, it's so that you can do it right. Watch this. It's so that you can be purified. It's so those branches can be trimmed so it can bloom greater. Huh? The scripture talks about being blooming and those bushes being pruned and, and shaped and cut down so that they can grow. You cannot grow if you're unwilling to be rebuked or corrected. As a matter of fact, you're not even a child of God if you won't be rebuked or corrected. Every child has a parent. Now, some parents didn't do their job. Some parents abandoned their kids. But I'm talking about loving parents that won't abandon their kids. They're going to rebuke you. They're going to correct you because they see the seed of greatness inside of you. So they got to they got to help you see it. They got to get in your back pocket. They got to, you know, chin check you. They got to grab you by your collar and say, hey, come on now. You wasting time. Come on now. You better than that. Some people just don't want to be helped. Yet they say they do. See, I know people that want to be helped when they're willing to be rebuked and corrected. And I get it. It don't feel good. But it ends to the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It helps you to do right. And that's the end result. God wants you to do the right thing. He wants you to be right. So you don't be so, you know, into yourself and thinking you all that, that you can't be rebuked or corrected. Point number 13, maintain your joy in the Lord. This is so key because it's hard to bloom when you're planted if you don't have any joy. If you're not happy with God, if you're not happy with God, you ain't going to be happy with your spouse. You're not going to be happy with people at your church, at your job, in the community. You're not even going to be happy with you. Some of us wish we could run away from ourselves and never come back again. But wherever you go, you go. You don't leave yourself behind. But what's missing is joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm praying that God will reignite your joy this year in this 2022 year of opportunities that I've already declared over many people's lives. I'm praying that God will restore the joy of your salvation, that you are just happy with Jesus alone. No car, no house is greater than the joy that you have being with God. And I want that joy to bubble over 
and over and over again, that you walk around with a smile on your face because you know something others don't know. God wants to give you a reason to live. He wants to give you a reason to wake up in the morning and not wake up like everybody else and say, oh Lord, it's going to be a bad day. No, we need, the Bible talks about how the joy of the Lord is our strength. We need some strength. We need some joy. But may I say this to you? You got to maintain your joy. Whatever God gives you, you got to maintain it. He's not going to maintain it for you. I can download you with some joy right now from God, lay hands on you. You can feel better. But if you don't maintain it, you're going to lose it. A lot of things God gives us, we didn't maintain. So we got to maintain it. We got to guard it. We got to protect it. We got to hover over it. We got to make sure our eye gate, our ear gate, our mouth gate is coming together as one. And we have to make sure that we are protecting the greatest investment that the Lord gives and puts inside of us. If we don't maintain it, the enemy, what does he do? He comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I want you to maintain whatever the Father is giving you. Point number 14. Walk without offense. This is so hard to do. It's difficult, but you got to do it. Walk lightly. Tread lightly in life. Don't let people just get on your nerves and wear you out. You have to ask yourself, if you say you getting on my nerves, were you allowing it? Think about that. You making me sick. Well, you allowing people to make you sick? Don't let people do it. Walk, tread lightly. Don't take anything and Put it in your heart and rehearse it over and over again. If you do, you're going to be messed up. Don't do it. Learn how to release it. Learn how to release them because that will hinder your growth. It'll hinder you from blooming where you're planted. It'll never happen for you as long as you stay in offense. Somebody do something to you, man, let's let it go. You know why? Because there's so many other things on the line. You just don't want to be in God all these years and you got nothing to show for it. That's just an embarrassment. So I want you to live your life as best as you can without offense. I know offenses will come. People will do things. They'll say things. They'll be intentional about things. But I want you to realize and understand that greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. You got the greater one living on the inside of you. And remember, when somebody is having a bad day, don't let their bad day become yours. That's their problem. You continue to walk lightly. You continue to walk in love. You continue to walk in forgiveness. Because the reality is you don't know what people are going through and everything is not about you. So we got to remember that. So we have to give people grace for their ignorance. I'm going to say that again. Give people grace for their ignorance, because you want somebody to do that for you. And when we grow up in God, we can do that. We can let it go. And we say, this ain't even worth me getting involved in. God's doing so many great things for me. I'm just going to pray for them and keep it moving. And finally, point number 15, use all the talents and abilities God has given you. Do you know what God has given you? If you don't know what God has given you, you can't use it. But when you know what the Father has given you, you can say, I'm going to use all my talents, all my abilities. And I'm going to even ask God, if I know, if I know for a fact God has given me something, I need to find a place to use it. Well, you need to use it where you plant it. If you, if you have a husband and a wife and kids, use your gifts there to be a blessing to them. 
at your job. My God, use your gifts and talents there. But more importantly, if you got a church, use your gifts and talents. As a pastor, this is probably one of my biggest frustrations because people think that they have to do it at a high level. You can't get good at something if you don't start. When you start, keep going and you'll get better and you will be a blessing to your leadership. You'll be a blessing to the members, your brothers and sisters. But more importantly, God will look at you and say, man, you blessing me with what I've given you. That's the thing. I want God to be pleased. So don't sit in a ministry and say you can't do nothing. If that's the case, you should be dead. You got nothing to give. But I know that's not the case. So we have to get out of fear because that's what's holding us back. We in fear. We got to get rid of the fear and say, this is going to be the year where I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I'm going to use my gifts, my talents to grow the ministry, to grow my family, to grow this job, to be a blessing to my community and the world. And I can't do that if I'm sitting on my talent. Notice what Jesus did with the man. He said, dig up what you didn't use and give it to the guy that I blessed. See, if you are not going to use, here's the thing. If you're not going to use what God has given you, then give it back to him and let him let him give it to somebody else who's going to use it. Just don't sit there. Do something. I want to implore you today. Do something with what the master has given you. You don't need to beg because God has already given you something. So let's make discovery. If we don't know, let's ask the Holy Spirit, what gifts, talents, and abilities have you given me? because I want to bring a smile on your face and those that I serve with, because I know my father has given me something valuable. These are the 15 keys that I believe will help you to bloom where you are planted. But that's all that I have for you today. I pray that this was a blessing to you. As I said at the start of the show, now I'm saying it at the end of the show, I want you to take this episode and send it out to as many people as possible, trying to grow this channel, got some personal goals, and I want you to help me to do that. All right. So send it out today. Also, if you are blessed, email me and let me know at info at thomasadeloach.com. You can also go to the website at thomasadeloach.com. We send out a monthly e-blast. So I want you on the homepage. There's a subscriber box there. Put your email in there and I will send you out a free PDF and you will be on our emailing list for all the e-blast and anything that I will send to you. You'll get it right in your email box. And you can also email that to somebody so they can be empowered just like you. And finally, listen, I'm looking for financial partners that will help me. Let this be the year that you will use your financial resources and sow a seed into to empower you. If these shows are blessing you, I want you to come and walk alongside with me and help me to produce these shows and other things I've been praying about doing. But it takes money to do these things. No dollar amount is too big or too small. Scroll down to almost the bottom of the homepage and there's a donation tab. I want you to do it today. Do it today before night's end. Do it today. Sow a financial seed. I'm telling you, you're sowing into good ground and watch what God does for you because you are helping one of his servants. As always, I'm praying for you. Go out there and do something great today. You have the greater one living inside of you. All right. And until next time, be empowered. Thank you for listening to my show to empower you. If you were blessed, inspired and encouraged please send me a praise report prayer requests or show ideas to info 
at thomasadeloach.com and follow me on Instagram at Thomas A. Deloach and Facebook at Dr. Thomas A. Deloach. And remember, you can go to my website anytime at www.thomasadeloach.com. Until next time, be empowered.